this hour by Frederick Remington Fully Cooked Ready to Eat Bacon. Exclusive no refrigeration 10 year extended shelf life bacon. The thickest media center cut bacon in the industry at fullycookedbacon.com. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to hour number two of the broadcast. This is going to be riveting. And I want to set this up for you. The book we're talking about tonight is Case Files of the East Area Rapist, also known as the Golden State Killer. He's the most prolific, enigmatic, and dangerous offender the state of California has ever known. Yet he remains unidentified and unpunished to this day. With over 100 burglaries, 50 rapes, and possibly a dozen murders, the so-called East Area Rapist, or Golden State Killer, was truly one of history's most vile and heinous criminals. Over a 10-year period, communities like Modesto, Davis, Concord, San Ramon, San Jose, Fremont, Walnut Creek, and even uh, neighborhoods in Sacramento were all violated by this Monster. The book, again, The Case Files of the East Area Rapist, Golden State Killer, and the co-author Keith Comos is with us tonight live. Keith, thanks so much for being with us. Can you hear me, Keith? All right. Uh, he's there. Okay. Keith, can you hear me? Yes, sir. It's great to be oh, here. Oh, Jim. there we go. All right. Great, great. Good to have you with us, sir. Uh, wow, I heard you on Coast to Coast with George Knapp. Uh, I'm a regular guest myself on Coast to Coast. You did a great job on that interview, and I wanted to uh, bring you on our show to share this information with our audience. And uh, some people ask why I do the true crime thing. I teach women's self-defense. One of the things I love to do, I'm a third-degree black belt. I also teach the rape defense program at our martial arts school. And uh, it, it just, it, it, it's scary, but you've got to tell these stories. And we're so glad that you're with us tonight. I wanted to start by asking you, Keith, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved with this book as a co-author. Well, I started out doing social media forensic work for missing persons cases on a volunteer basis and then on a consulting basis, and for a few different active-type cases, um, bodies that couldn't be found and uh, killers who would go online and post things and then try to erase their trail, things like that. And then a research partner of mine, Kat Winters, pulled me into this cold case that she was working on, this East Area Rapist, which I had never heard of. And I had never done a cold case before or worked on it, but some of my computer expertise seemed like it could be beneficial to this case. 
and we started organizing information and working on information, and that was my approach to it. And then we started building a website. We started building this website about the case, and it grew and it became popular, and we started getting all these tips from it, people with information about the case, ideas about it. We started sharing these tips that we were getting in with law enforcement, and they started sharing information with us, and then other researchers and retired detectives started sharing treasure troves of old reports and information with us for us to parse and work on and put online. And victims and witnesses from the case even contacted us. And after a lot of work, we finally got all of this in order. A lot of this stuff went online, and we were looking for other ways for people to benefit from it. From all of this work and this research that we had done, and the book became the next logical step. All right. Now, what is the website for people that would want to go to find out more, maybe even offer their own tips on your website? Do you have that? I do. It's coldcase-earons.com, or you could go to coldcasewriter.com. The E-A-R-O-N-S stands for East Area Rapist Original Night Stalker. Right, right. This offender's many names. Okay, or they could go to coldcasewriter.com? Right. That's the other option. That might be easier for people to remember that might be driving right now. Now, one of the things that was fascinating to me, so much of this was so fascinating, a riveting interview. Um, So this case um, involves crimes that were committed from 1979 through 1986. And then, as far as we know, it ended in 1986. Do I have those dates right? It even goes back further than that. It goes back to 1976. And now there's an assault that we had included in the book that law enforcement is now saying this probably was this guy. So now it goes all the way back to 1975. Okay, so 75 through 1986. And then mysteriously, all the activity that would at least uh, appear to be connected to this person, which is, you know, we, we have no arrest, we have no identity of this person, but everything just stops in 1986. Now, that that struck me as odd only because generally what at least those of us who are, I'm a novice, I'm a layman, I'm not someone that follows this as a professional, but don't these uh, people continue to kill until they're caught? How many times do do we usually see them just stop like this? Not very often. There's usually some kind of compulsion that drives this type of offender. We're learning more and more now that these types of offenders can stop. Sometimes it's because of incarceration somewhere else, and it's just not connected. Sometimes it's because they stop voluntarily, and they, or because they change their MO a little bit and offend in other ways. Sometimes they just get too old and can't commit their types of crimes. Or anymore. is it possible that the person died? You know, we don't think of, uh, you know, we don't think of someone being in a car wreck and dying who's a, a serial killer, but maybe God's hand was there and, and stopped all of this in some way. But that is an unusual uh, sort of marker in all of this. The other thing, too, that was, was interesting is that this is, it's a cold case, yes, but how many uh, law enforcement people are still actually working on this case right now today. This case has benefited from a resurgence in media and attention and funding given to it by the state of California and other agencies. 
The FBI just got involved in 2016 on the 40th anniversary of the case. So this case actually is now more active than it's been since the 1970s and 1980s. So there are a considerable amount of resources devoted to this case. One of the reasons is because we have this offender's DNA. And with all of the new technology that's being developed, there's a really good chance that this offender can be caught because of advances in DNA technology, being able to make a familial hit, maybe with a son or a cousin or some other relative, or maybe being able to sequence his uh, DNA in a, in a way to where we can make more of a positive identification through physical characteristics. So it's actually a really exciting time in the case. That is interesting. One, one of the uh, other just kind of strange things about this this murderer, this rapist, is, of course, we, we go back in time. This was before the Internet, before Facebook and Twitter and all of that. How he would make these phone calls and taunt people uh, before and even after they were attacked. Tell us about the phone calls, and I guess some of these were even recorded. Is that right? That's correct. He would... One of his stalking methods would be to call a residence, and they would pick up, and there would be no one on the other end of the phone, and they would hang up. Then he would call back a little bit later. It's hard to tell if he was doing this for his own personal gratification or if he was casing the house to see when they were home, when they were not home. He would do this with neighbors as well. As time went on, he started to speak to some of his victims. Some of the phone calls were obscene. When they would pick up before they were attacked, they would get obscene phone calls. After they were attacked, sometimes sometimes months after, sometimes years after, they would get a phone call. They would recognize his voice because he spoke in a very... He would be calling to taunt even after. And we'll pick it up there after the break. The book is Case Files of the Golden State Killer. Our guest is Keith Comos, and we'll be back after this. Hi, this is radio talk show host Jim Paris, and if you are like me, you hate all of those monthly bills. Well, I reached the point about three years ago that I decided enough was enough, and I went to war with my personal stack of monthly bills. I canceled cable TV and legally connected my television to the internet, and now I get hundreds of free TV channels, and I don't pay for cable TV. I found a little-known way of getting free home phone service for life, and I discovered a totally legal way to opt out of Obamacare and cut my health insurance bill by more than 60% per year. If you want to learn more about my personal war on monthly bills, check out my website, christianmoneyplus.com. That's christianmoneyplus.com. If you're just plain sick and tired of those monthly bills, check out my website, christianmoneyplus.com. I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine. For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back or shoulder. And the best relief for that pain is a Sunny Bay heating pad. Did you know that the American College of Physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy? Sunny Bay heating pads are handmade with high quality, can be used at home or at work, and have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Why take another pill? Many people use our Sunny Bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain. Long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. See why our homegrown 
with small business at sunny-bay.com has tried to help people just like you. Get your Sunny Bay heating pads at sunny-bay.com. That's sunny-bay.com. Or call 253-678-1361. For hot and cold therapy, sunny-bay.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. 99 bucks for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Tired of being censored by Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Patreon? Well, now you don't have to be. OneWay.com is the free speech and human-friendly social network built just for you. Stop feeding the beast. Every post you make on those evil, anti-human, anti-American perverted sites helps them destroy our families, our country, and our souls. Join OneWay today and take back your liberty. Your free speech alternative is waiting for you at OneWay.com. OneWay.com. Listening to Jim Paris Live. All right, we are back. Our guest this hour is Keith Comos. His name is spelled K O M O S. If you want to uh, look up this book, find it over at Amazon.com. The book is Case Files of the East Area Rapist slash Golden State Killer. Uh, this killer, serial killer, had many different names. We're going to talk about that a little bit also tonight. Uh, Keith, continue on about the phone calls, because, of course, these crimes happening before caller ID, before the kind of technology that we might have today, uh, where we might be able to like trace a call or or you know connect uh, uh, a caller to a cell phone and know maybe where that call was made from, what geographic area. Um, how many of these um, victims were were called, and was this almost uh, became part of his his process? It would seem kind of sloppy, but yet at the same time, many of these uh, killers they want to show how smart they are by taking extra steps like this and still evading the police. More than half of the victims received phone calls of some kind that they, that we know were from the killer or from the, from the attacker. Then probably a dozen, a little bit over a dozen 
victims receive phone calls after their attack, sometimes long after. In fact, one of the most interesting parts of this case is we had talked about him stopping in 1986. There was one victim, victim number seven, who received a phone call in the early 1990s from someone that she identified as her attacker. And then in 2001, victim number 14 received a phone call, a threatening phone call from someone who she identified as her attacker. So unless it was a family member playing a very cruel joke or something like that, it's very possible that this person was still alive in 2001. And it does seem that the phone calls were a part of the gratification or the I'm cleverer than you sort of way that he was going with some of these attacks. It seemed like it was part of the attack and the terror and the fear that he would instill into these victims. And what's interesting, so many different crimes involving so many people, of course, you know, those that were murdered would not live to be able to be witnesses. Um, but uh, it, it seems like those that lived, those that were sexually assaulted and and, and were not murdered, who, who later attempted to provide descriptions, I'm looking, for example, at the Wikipedia page here, at, at, at all of these different sketches, and it doesn't seem like anyone could really nail down what this guy looked like. Uh, there seems to be some similarity in these sketches, but can you give us a general physical description, maybe sort of aggregating the descriptions together, and then tell us what age the Golden State Killer would be today? He was about 5'10". He had a size 9 or 9.5 shoe. He was somewhere between 150 and 180 pounds. He was a white male, anywhere from his late teens to early 30s in 1976. So today, he'd be somewhere between 60 and 75 years old. And so if identified, it's very possible that he'd be around to stand trial and pay for all these crimes. And the uh, birth dates we give are generally somewhere in the 40s, 50s. Early 60s is really pushing it. Uh, He may have used knots and bindings in his normal life. As far as job goes, it's not really a physical characteristic, but as far as job goes, he may have been in construction or a commercial painter, but there are other ties to other types of careers that he may have had. So, But you're right, we really don't know a lot about his physical description. There are four dozen witness sketches related to this case, and only half of them are available publicly, and they're they're really all over the place. We really don't have a very good idea of what he looks like. And a lot of those sketches are just some suspicious people in the area. So they could be completely unrelated. And one theory is that he may have relocated, right? So, uh, as far as these crimes being all tied together happening in California, uh, what if he got on an airplane and went to another country or another state? Um, he could have operated somewhere else and continued to murder, but it maybe changed his MO to where there was no connection made. Is that possible? Some of his crimes were over 300 miles apart. In California, that only gets you about a third of the way across the state. In other parts of the country, you can skip over several states in that sort of distance. So it does show that he was willing to travel he did seem to be trying to keep his crimes from being connected to each other toward the end, and toward the end is when he started killing. So it's very possible that he went as far down south as San Diego. There are some crimes down there that look like they might be him. There are some other crimes up in Oregon and Washington that may be tied to this case. 
And it, he did show a proclivity toward traveling and going to new places and then hitting there only a couple times and then moving on to somewhere else. So he may have offended outside of California. He may have offended inside California, and it hasn't been tied. With a, an offender that is this prolific and this tactical, you never know what he did to avoid being detected and being caught. He clearly did not want to be caught or identified. Very interesting. Now, in your research in all of this, and I know this is a bizarre question to ask because, you know, what? how do you figure out a motivation? But was there ever any idea of what was motivating this guy to do this? Did he leave any notes or give any clues to anyone about why he was he was doing this? It seemed really it just boils down to he wants to scare people and hurt people and derive some sort of power and satisfaction from that. The FBI and uh, uh, some law enforcement down in Florida actually weighed in and did an extensive profile on him and really didn't come up with a lot. They came up with, this is what he might have done for a living. This is what he liked to do. This is how he liked to commit his crimes. But as far as the why, I think that's what draws a lot of people to crimes like this, is it's something that normal people can't fathom and can't understand. And they want to find out what makes a human being do something like this to other human beings, and not just do it once or twice, but this guy dedicated at least 10 years of his life to creating a trail of terror across an entire state and maybe beyond. And it's really interesting from a psychological standpoint, from a human interest standpoint, even from a spiritual standpoint, what creates something like this? And is there something that we can learn as a society that can prevent things like this from happening, bullying or something like that? What what makes a guy like this tick? Really, I don't know. I thought when I first started this process, I had some ideas. And the more I learned about it, it just all got through out the window. And I, I ended up more confused than I was before I started as far as his motivation, because it's just something that we can't understand. We've got another break coming up. What I want to get into after the break is I want to talk about, uh, Keith, your uh, involvement in this from a, a technical side of it, from a uh, you know being being sort of the the computer guru, social media guy. Of course, there was no social media back then, but there's still a lot of public records that could possibly be accessed, and we'll find out how you're using those to try and find the killer. And also, was there any connection between? all of these victims how were they selected is there a common thread all of that and more when we come back as we continue to discuss the golden state killer on this episode of jim paris live frustrated trying to get business capital want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation gcnloans.com removes the slow irritating approval process instead get quick simple funding powered by david allen capital 80 percent of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days pre-qualify at gcnloans.com and get your money this week it's that easy gcnloans.com that's gcnloans.com 
fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Over the last four years, three of the biggest online precious metals dealers have gone bankrupt and their owners put in prison due to theft and fraud. Having previously purchased precious metals, can you be sure you purchased the right product? Did you receive proper advice? Or were you stung by one of these companies? Miles Franklin has been in business for 29 years without receiving any material customer or regulatory complaints ever. Maintaining an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and residing in Minnesota, the only state in America that regulates the precious metals industry, making doing business in precious metals with Miles Franklin the safest choice, bar none. Call us at 866-485-4346 and let us review your portfolio at no commitment whatsoever. Again, that's 866-485-4346. Get the peace of mind you deserve in working with a precious metals company with a reputation like Miles Franklin. Again, that's 866-485-4346. Miles Franklin Precious Metals, the name you can trust. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. You're listening to Jim Paris Live. Hi, we are back and 
uh, so much more to get into our final two segments. Our guest is Keith Comos, and his last name is spelled K-O-M-O-S. It's important if you want to find him on Amazon, Keith Comos, and the book is Case Files of the East Area Rapist, Golden State Killer. Uh, you should be able to find it uh, on Amazon. Is that right, Keith? This is a widely available book? Okay, very good. Um, did, did there is there apparently any connection uh, between the victims? Uh, it, it's it looks like here there's more than fifty crimes uh, here listed on the Wikipedia page um, involving, uh, you know, just people from all over the state of California, um, demographically, maybe some similarities, but was there any idea, like, for example, if this guy was a commercial painter that he was working in these neighborhoods and selected his victims that way, was there ever any common denominator found between the victims? That's one of the things that law enforcement at the time really looked into because they didn't have any real good leads to go off on this guy. They started to look at where was he selecting his victims? Where was he finding them? Did they all go to the same school or did they all work at the same place or in the same area? There wasn't any one common thread that was found throughout all of the victims in the entire series. You know, it's been 10 years, so that's, that's to be expected. In little geographical pockets, sometimes there would be similarities found. For instance, in South Sacramento, and there was a similarity between where the two people worked who were targeted. They both worked for the utility company down there. In another area, they three of the people out of the five that were targeted in that area went to the same pizza place in the same short amount of time. In another area, they used the same real estate company, two out of the four. So some of these threads start to emerge. One of the biggest threads that emerges throughout the case is the medical angle. Over 50% of the victims either had a major surgery, their significant other had a major surgery, or they were a doctor or a nurse or a pharmacist or somehow very involved in the medical field, especially toward the end of the series. So it's, it's possible that he had something to do with the medical field. However, these were all in different geographic areas. It's hard to imagine a profession or a professional that would, would move throughout the profession in all these different areas so quickly. But it's something that's statistically significant, so it's worth looking at. But there's no one common thread that ties all these together. There are some physical characteristics that a lot of these victims share. It's sort of something that's hard to describe, but all of them were fit. They were all. 41 or under, uh, 41 years of old or under. So there were some commonalities. In the earlier series, they all had longer hair, which was the style of the time. But it was something that seemed significant. When he finally attacked one that had shorter hair, it was like, wow, he really broke pattern here. But then you go and you look at, she had only gotten her hair cut two weeks before she was attacked. And all of the pictures in the house, which he had most likely broken into before some days before he attacked her, had pictures of her with long hair. So there were some commonalities as far as socioeconomic, as far as some of the places that they went and some of the places that they worked, but no one common thread that really helped zero in on how he was selecting these victims. And what are the thoughts on the, the large geographic area? I mean, things I think about are like, 
maybe he was a traveling salesman or a traveling construction worker and had different projects in different areas. Was was the thought that he was living temporarily in a lot of different areas, sort of at a transient type of a work, which is why he covered such a large geographic swath as opposed to being focused in one community. It's hard to tell if he actually lived in really any of the places where he offended. He seemed very familiar with some locations and not as familiar with others. In Sacramento, he seemed very familiar with the different canals and ditches, and he would seem to use those to traverse the areas. But in other cases, especially later in the series, it seemed that he was driving up and down 680 and then turning off, finding a community to attack, going there to attack, hitting it once or twice, and then never going there again. So it's hard to say if he lived in any of these places or how familiar he was with some of these. Later on in the series, he was attacking a lot of places that were by the beach, by the coast. So it's thought that maybe he was at the beach on vacation or going there specifically to scope out different victims and finding them that way. A lot of them were in, within walking distance or biking distance from the beach. And it seems like the frequency, uh, looking at the list here, it looks like it started as like a once-a-month thing and then became closer to a twice-a-month occurrence, the crimes and the attempted crimes. Right. He started out a little bit slower and then really got into a frenzy in some months. There was one May where he attacked five times. And Mm. it's thought that he was gathering intel and scoping out neighborhoods and finding victims and then... After a little intel phase, he'd go and he'd attack them one after the other. There were also instances where he'd try to attack uh, an ind- individual or a couple and he would fail. And then he would attack somewhere else opportunistically right away. So it's almost like he had to attack. And he planned out a lot of them. Some of them he couldn't have planned out. And he just happened on a victim who was in the wrong spot at the wrong time. So he did seem to have a schedule that was almost predictable in some ways. And it also seemed like he planned out some of his attacks because, especially early on, he would attack in Rancho Cordova, which is in East Sacramento. Then he would go across the river and attack in Carmichael, which is also in uh, eastern Sacramento, but geographically separated by a river. Then he would go back across the river, attack again. Then he'd bounce back and attack again. So it was almost like he was attacking in one area then going away for a little while, letting things settle down, letting the police think, this guy is gone, he's not coming back. Then he would go back and hit. And once he did that a couple times, he would never visit an area again. So he did this. It was a strategic sort of a mindset that he took when he planned some of these crimes. It appears like, at least. One emailer is asking me, was there ever a Florida connection because you had mentioned i believe that the florida law enforcement did a profile on on the killer why was florida involved they did they just stepped in and helped out they had the expertise it was during okay. a period of the case where there wasn't a lot of attention and resources being given to it they happened to have the expertise and they did it as a favor almost there there's no known florida connection there's no known connection outside of california at all for this offender Now, you're a data guy, and if I understand it correctly, what you do on like a present-day missing persons case would be you would use social media, uh, that person's social media account, to maybe 
try to drum up clues to try to find a missing person. Is there a way that you can take your skills, those same skills, and go back to the day when we didn't have social media? Of course, we still had a lot of records back then. I mean, it's surprising when I go to a site like Ancestry.com and and how much you can find out about your family history and even records that the government kept on all of us in paper form, maybe, a lot of it you know, back then. But how does a data guy like you apply those skills to a case during this time frame? I've been able to use a technology called OCR to scan in massive amounts of historical data, such as yearbooks, phone directories, old court records, property records, real estate licenses, map data, for the different areas that he attacked and compile that all into databases. And there's a lot of data in general to sort through when you do something like that. But raw computing power is something that we have now that they didn't have back then. And it's something that, that I use to solve problems in my own life, whether it be business or anything else that I tackle. So that's sort of always my approach. So I get all of these together and I start looking for connections. Did one individual who I can type through different data sources, did this individual live in one specific place in Northern California when the attacks were going on and then live somewhere? And then they were in the other location. All right, we'll get into more of that. And also some of the individual cases, which I found to be the most interesting, we'll bring those up as well. The book is Case Files of the Golden State Killer. Our guest is Keith Comos. We'll be back with our last segment. Don't miss it. Hello, everybody. This is radio talk show host Jim Paris for freesurvivalgifts.com. If you're a survival buff like me and like to try out the latest survival gear and gadgets, then you're going to absolutely love freesurvivalgifts.com. At freesurvivalgifts.com, you will find a wide array of survival gear, books, and videos that are all 100% free. That's right, just pay your own shipping. Now, I know you're asking, why is all of this survival gear free? Well, the companies offering this gear are doing so as a way to promote their brand and introduce new products. Check it out today, freesurvivalgifts.com. Pick up one or more free survival items for you and your family. That website again is freesurvivalgifts.com. Check it out, freesurvivalgifts.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Hear that? That's the sound of a house being trashed while a gang of thieves ransack the place. And what they don't steal will be destroyed. This year, resolve not to be the next victim of a break-in. Go to faketv.com and discover a device that creates the illusion someone inside is watching TV, even when you're miles away. Security is a mindset, and Fake TV should be part of your security solution. Be vigilant, but not fearful. Faketv.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. 
I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hey, this is Ricky from Banyan Hill. You like freedom? I do. You like money? I do too. If you like freedom and money, then you're going to love Freedom Checks. You see, over the next few months, an estimated $34.6 billion is up for grabs to anyone who stakes their claim. Yep, you heard that right. $34.6 billion. To get all the details, just go to www.americanfreedomchecks.com. Thousands of people are already lined up to cash in. Take Doug, for example. He's a 46-year-old from Joplin, Missouri who's set to get a check for $24,075. And if Doug can do this, I've got a hunch that you can too. But here's the thing. If you want the chance to grab your full fair share of this $34.6 billion payout, you must have your ducks in a row by May 1st. So don't wait. Get over to www.americanfreedomchecks.com before May 1st. That's www.americanfreedomchecks.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. are listening to Jim Paris Live. All right, we are back. Our final segment, we're talking about the Golden State Killer. Our guest is Keith Comos. He's co-author of the book, Case Files of the Golden State Killer. And Keith, you were just uh, sharing with us a little bit about this data collection system where you're able to take old printed data and put that in a format where it can be searchable and uh, kind of come into today's modern computer age. Talk about that a little bit more. So I take the different yearbook and demographic data that's available to us that's sometimes just in text form, and I use a technology called OCR to scan it in and make it into a database format. And then from there, we can use different queries to say, show me who lived in different areas at different times, and show me which addresses have people registered to them and which addresses maybe we don't have property records for and then we can do a little bit more detective work and fill in the blanks. But we're able to easily and quickly run these queries and do the legwork that would have taken detectives in the 1970s and 80s days and days to do. And a lot of interesting persons of interest have come to light through this sort of um, data processing that we've been doing. And from there, we send the tip into law enforcement, and they do some investigation of their own, and they can go test the person's DNA. A lot of times they just go and ask for a sample, and the person willingly gives it, or they can get probable cause and get the DNA that way. But we're able to sift through a massive amount of people and a massive amount of data, unlike this case has ever been able to do before. That's interesting. Now, have has any of that technique been applied to the victims 
to sort of reverse engineer to to try to find that common thread? Yes, we do that frequently. Actually, in fact, we found one interesting thread where relatives of a victim, of an early victim, lived in some areas where geographic profilers think the offender might have lived. So we wondered if he started finding people through their relatives or if he knew this person, and it began the thread of investigation saying, oh, how, which people did this person know? When did this person start dating this person? And trying to reconstruct the past, trying to reconstruct the world of the 1970s. And a lot of these victims are still alive and willing to talk to us and willing to talk to law enforcement about some of these questions. And they want this guy caught, obviously. So they, a lot of them are very helpful. And it's brought up a bunch of interesting threads. We also do it with employment, different places that people worked. And especially in the construction industry, because we're trying to reconstruct a lot of places that were under construction and being painted and being built at certain times because of some physical evidence regarding some paint that was found at some of the fall 1977 attacks. That's sort of a lead that I'm pursuing personally. And it's, it's interesting to see all this stuff come together because... Yeah, the technology ago, is... It, it's amazing, the technology. And now that we have, you know, DNA... Um, so tell me about the August 19th uh, murder of Keith Harrington and Patrice Harrington, and then also about their their brother Bruce, uh, Keith's brother Bruce, and what he did uh, with that large donation. Keith Harrington was 24, Patrice was 27. They lived in a gated community located 125 miles away from the previous murder that had taken place. Keith Harrington was a medical student. Patrice was a nurse. They'd met at UC Irvine Medical Center and got married in May of 1980. So right before they were murdered, they, were, they had gotten married. They lived in San Francisco for a bit. They'd only lived in Dana Point for a short time. And when we think about how the killer came across them, a lot of these types of things are important to note. Um, but we don't really know what happened at the scene. Sometime during the night of August 19th, a neighbor heard loud screaming. No one heard from the Harringtons after that. Keith's father went to check on them a couple days later, and he found them in the bed, bludgeoned to death, as all the Golden State Killer cases. And this was a closed gate community. Closed gate community. So yeah, it was a gated uh, community. You would have to have records. uh, You'd have to be someone living or permission to be in there because you're visiting someone that lives there, or maybe you have permission to be in there because you're working in there. Uh, but then again, you've got the medical connection here with them. I, I find that interesting. And, and, and Keith Harrington's brother, Bruce, uh, put $2 million into California Proposition 69. Tell us about that. So, right. The brother of uh, Keith Harrington spent $2 million to help enact legislation that made it mandatory for a prisoner of the California judicial system related to sex offenses murder, and voluntary manslaughter to submit their DNA to a statewide database because we had the offender's DNA. It was through examination of these felons that Bruce felt that the perpetrator would eventually be found. Unfortunately, the perpetrator was not on death row. He was not in the prison system. He was not among the prison population that was tested. So either he's never been convicted and captured in the state of California or beyond, really, because past that, the DNA is uploaded into a national DNA database called CODIS, regularly checked. 
So it appears that he hasn't been arrested for any crimes in the DNA era. Interesting. And and it it would also possibly bring up a hit if it was a, a relative of his as well. Um, That's correct. I, I think most people... Sense. Most people believe that all uh, inmates are DNA tested. Uh, that that hasn't historically been the case in California? It hasn't historically been the case. There was a law saying that they needed to be DNA tested. However, the penalty for not being DNA tested was a misdemeanor with a $500 fine. So you've got guys on death row, and they have legal bills, and they're facing all kinds of charges and they say okay slap me with a misdemeanor i don't care because they don't want to get charged with anything else that they may have committed in the past or they may just not want something weird to happen with their dna be matched to something that they didn't do because there have been false positives in the past as well so it was a law that they had to do it but bruce helped enact legislation that made it mandatory for it to happen and then the crime on february 2nd 1978 which seems to me to be the most brazen of all, as if he was getting extremely careless. Uh, this is the uh, shooting of Brian and Katie Maggiore. They're out walking their dog, Rancho Cordova area. He's a military policeman at the Mather Air Force Base, and they're actually chased down and shot dead. Is this this is like in the street? Out in public. In the backyard, yeah. The confrontation may have started in the street, but they were shot to death in a backyard, and then he callously climbed over one of the bodies to get over the fence, and he started making his escape out of there. And he was cited by several witnesses as he did this. And it's not confirmed that this was the Golden State Killer, but it's thought that it was. The FBI thinks it was. Most law enforcement agencies think it was. One of the main reasons is there was a ligature left behind, shoelaces tied up in the knot that he would frequently use, and it was right next to one of the bodies. So it was, it's it's thought that this was the offender. And the physical this was his calling card. This unusual Chinese knot known as the diamond knot. Is that right? Right. He used the diamond knot in one case. In other cases, he used square knots and half hitch knots. And it's it's not the most common knot in the world, even those, even though they're not as ornate. Unless it may be a sa- sailor, a sailor would use those kind of knots, I would think. That's that's where it's used typically, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I used to have a sailboat, so had to learn all that myself. And uh when we when we look at uh all of these crimes, uh I don't know. It seemed like this guy had sort of the luck of Ted Bundy. You know, Ted Bundy had so many close calls uh, and was able to get away with that for so long. Uh, His crimes took so many chances. What would you say was the closest call where they came the closest to catching this guy? Was it the uh, case where there was an FBI agent living nearby? Would that be the case that that almost brought him down? Tell us us that story. Okay, that's that's a fantastic story. The attack started out like any other East Area rapist attack, except he was 300 miles further south than he had ever offended before. And he was a bit more vicious and sadistic, and they thought they were going to be killed, and they, they were most likely going to be the first intentional murder victims. He woke them up with a flashlight, separated them, moved the female to another room, and she heard him chanting, I'll kill him, I'll kill him. So she gets up, 
she doesn't care if he's going to shoot her, stab her, whatever. She starts running out the door. He runs out after her, brings her in. But as she's outside screaming, an FBI agent hears her screaming. The FBI agent lived next door. A case of maybe the killer not doing his homework like he used to and getting a little bit careless. The, the, the man and the woman both escape from the killer again. They both run out. And we've only got 30 seconds, Keith. I hate to do that to you, but uh, the story is that the FBI agent almost gets him as he escapes on a bicycle and then pursues him in a vehicle, but uh, he drops a bicycle, jumps a fence, and ultimately gets away. Grab the book. It's fascinating. The Golden State Killer, Case Files of the Golden State Killer. If it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Hi, this is radio talk show host Jim Paris. And if you are like me, you hate all of those monthly bills. Well, I reached the point about three years ago that I decided enough was enough, and I went to war with my personal stack of monthly bills. I canceled cable TV and legally connected my television to the internet, and now I get hundreds of free TV channels, and I don't pay for cable TV. I found a little-known way of getting free home phone service for life, and I discovered a totally legal way to opt out of Obamacare and cut my health insurance bill by more than 60% per year. If you want to learn more about my personal war on monthly bills, check out my website, christianmoneyplus.com. That's christianmoneyplus.com. If you're just plain sick and tired of those monthly bills, check out my website, christianmoneyplus.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. 